0: It's a special Halloween edition where we're going to be talking about some of the more recent horror movies that has come out, especially on streaming. So Halloween ends, the new Hellraiser and Barbarian that is now streaming on HBO Max. So it's spooky season. So let's get into it. Movie time. Sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack. It's that time for movie time coming at you now. What's up, everybody? It's movie time. Now, you may see only me right here on the screen right now. But Blake had a special surprise for all of you, Mr. Wolf. Uh, Given that we're talking about Halloween and it's that time of year and the spooky season. And we already know if you are a follower of this channel, you know he loves horror movies and he loves talking about it. So he wanted to present something very special for all of you. So here he is. Blake the Wolf, what's going on, my buddy? Oh, you're looking very different. Wow. Hey, what is this? Okay, you're freaking me out a little bit. You're not going to say anything? You're just going to pose with this weird pumpkin face on your head? Oh, hey, there you go. Get down, yeah. Uh, Alright, Uh, he's definitely in a mood today, so let's just keep the camera on me while we talk about some of these movies that I wanted to talk about this week. So, again, it, it, we rarely get to talk about horror movies here because Blake is not a huge fan of horror movies. Um, I have slowly started to get into them ever since I was a kid. I was always watching the, the more classic, you know, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Streets, you know, all that kind of stuff like that. I did remember uh, watching the Hellraiser movies back in the day. So I was very curious to see how this new Hellraiser reboot um, comes out and how they did it and all that. So we're going to be talking about all that. Well, I don't know if if Blake is going to be doing much talking. He looks like he'd rather be dancing um, in his really tight black leotard and all that. But um, if you're new to the channel... Thank you so much for stopping by. I am Renee, low-key geek. And Movie Time is a weekly podcast where you've got two dudes that normally talk about movies. Right now, it's just me and doing the solo. Because, like I said, Blake is a little preoccupied, dancing and all that. But uh, if you're new and you like what you see, you want to see more of this kind of stuff and this content, it doesn't cost you a thing to hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Uh, hit that notification bell so you can get notified every time a new video is uploaded. If you prefer an audio version of this particular show, just do a search for Low-Key Geek there on your podcast platform of choice where you can find this episode and many others for your downloadable pleasure. If you are already an audio listener, thank you so much for tuning in. And for your the regular viewers, again, we always appreciate you joining us. So without further ado, let's talk about some of these horror movies that have come out recently. And of course, I'd love to start with Halloween Ends because Halloween Kills was one of those movies that was an experience. Um, When they originally announced that they were coming out with a new version of Halloween, um, and it's not really a new version. It's more what they're calling a proper sequel to the original Halloween. Um, It was something that I was, you know curious about because i remember watching halloween back in the day and you know starring jamie lee curtis as uh when she was like really known for being a screen queen back in the day and it was one of those you know typical classic horror movies where you have this unknown uh persona uh john carpenter and his um brilliance putting together what he once referred to as the shape um and uh terrorizing this this little neighborhood During Halloween and it it was just like a perfect combination of everything that you would look forward to in a horror movie you know proper setting you have Halloween everyone trick-or-treating and you know everyone wearing masks he wears a mask so he could blend in very easily with everybody and you got us like a supernatural kind of killer who can't seem to be killed right and you know he had proper motivation I guess being neglected as a kid always having issues Maybe he has issues with teen sex and he wants to get rid of all the promiscuity and all that stuff like that. Um, So it was really interesting. And of course, it led to a whole bunch of sequels after that. And I think after the second one, it just kind of went all weird. You know, you had the third one that had nothing to do with Michael Myers. And then you have the fourth one that returned to form. But in essence, kind of um, passing the torch, so to speak. Maybe you know, bringing it onto another person. It was like this little girl who got the 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 Michael Myers curse, if you want to call it. So when they said that they were gonna nix all of that from lore, from canon, and do a proper sequel, I was intrigued, right? And I thought the way that they approached it in Halloween was perfect. You know, you had um, some time past uh, where you have. Lori Strode, who is now seeking vengeance, and maybe she's had this plagued in her mind. And of course, you have Michael, who's been locked up and then he escapes. Um, I thought it was a perfect setting when they had like podcasters who were so interested in covering serial killers and supernatural. And, you know, really because of them, he was able to break out and escape. And of course, the only thing that he knows and remembers is to go back to that town And when he comes across uh, Laurie there, um, that's when uh, the reunion started. And it was really interesting to see how that all played out. Then you had Halloween Kills. That was painful to watch. And again, this is just my opinion. I, I know there are some people who actually appreciated it, but I believe the majority of the people agree with me that that movie was just all over the place. There was a lot of kills in that movie, though, that I found interesting and I laughed at. But I thought it was the one interesting part I thought they did was they brought back a lot of people from the original Halloween who happened to be, quote unquote, victims of um, that um, frightful day um, that happened in uh, all those many years ago and all that. But uh, it, it was definitely, it had its issues for sure. And I, I didn't like the fact that a lot of it was taking place in a hospital and you had this mob mentality where they, the town just rallied. And again, it was, I would love to know what the count was as far as uh, when they kept repeating over and over again that evil dies tonight, evil dies tonight. Well, evil didn't die that night because somehow Michael Myers was able to escape the mob killed everyone we were introduced to, basically, and disappeared, right? So Halloween Ends is the promise of concluding this trilogy of a, re, a new uh, forwarding of the storyline and everything like that. And it actually, we, do, we take a time jump in this one where I believe it was 10 years past or five years since Halloween Kills. So you have Lori who's trying to uh, go on, move on with her life, and she realizes that maybe being secluded is not the best thing, so she buys a house in her neighborhood and she tries to be, you know, together with the locals and all that. And of course, Lori is struggling because she is also mourning the death of her daughter who got killed by Michael Myers at the end of the second one, and you know, she is helping raise her granddaughter now. Um, the this this movie in itself also is very divisive as far as where the Halloween fans are because uh they were they made some decisions and some creative choices here that a lot of people were not expecting. I think if you watched the trailer you were expecting there to be this major showdown with Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. The final showdown, right? The final conclusion and battle that's, you know, supposed to be like, you know, as if you're a wrestling fan, this is like WrestleMania, right? And this is the main event. But in what we got was something completely different from that. Um, and I thought it was a risky, bold move to make. Um, I, you know, I guess in a way I have to congratulate them for making this choice. But I think for people who were really hoping and expecting a proper end to this trilogy, were left kind of disappointed. Now, with some of those creative choices, I think the movie would have worked better if they kept on with some of those choices. Now, the reason why before I bring up Halloween 3 and Halloween 4 is because in a way, it made me feel like they had some essence from both of those movies that they implanted in this movie. Um, It could have worked if they decided to go one route, but they decided to go another route. Um, But for the most part, you're not dealing with Michael Myers at all. And I think that's what pissed a lot of people off. So I didn't want to like keep talking uh, without warning about spoilers coming up ahead, but it's been out for several weeks. But I know there are some people who probably didn't have a chance to watch it yet. And maybe they're waiting for the Halloween weekend um, to catch up on all of these things. So um, warning now, I will be uh, giving some spoilers uh, up ahead For the remainder of the Halloween Ends talk. So you've been warned. So the movie started off in a way where. There was paranoia in the neighborhood. And this paranoia has lasted and carried on for the years. Because of the events that happened at the end of Halloween Kills. And just events in general with Michael Myers. So you have people who are. You know. Causing mayhem. Um, Some people who are killing people in the neighborhood and everyone keeps thinking, oh, is this the return of Michael Myers? This is the return of Michael Myers. You have some people who are so distraught and have PTSD that they committed suicide uh, because every time this holiday comes around, they are just in fear of what's going to happen. So I love the fact that they kind of portrayed like this stigma in the town where everyone has just been deeply affected. That's in mentally and, and physically. So it's causing a lot of chaos, right? And I think if they moved on and they carried on with that kind of storytelling and that premise, uh, it could have led to an interesting um, kind of Halloween type of movie. Now, of course, it would be sans Michael Myers, right? But that's perfectly fine. Maybe this would have been like an an interesting choice to go because now without the shape around you have this, um, his curse is kind of left behind, right? But instead what they did is that they have, they introduced this guy who, you know, for lack of a better term, doesn't really get along with a lot of people. And he's been bullied and pushed around and all that stuff like that. So he ends up kind of finding Michael Myers in a very it kind of way. Michael Myers apparently is just hiding out in a sewer, And because he's like badly damaged and weak and all that. And somehow because he has like this thing in him, maybe he wants to seek revenge. Maybe he has like a killer instinct or something like that. This kind of uh, spirit of Michael Myers gets transferred into him. And then now he is kind of carrying the torch for Michael in a way. Uh, maybe he's like a vessel of Michael, and uh, Michael is kind of uh, doing what he wants to do, haunting the town through this new vessel, right um, which again, interesting premise, right? But I thought again it it was so out of left field and something that was not fully expected. but the thing that I that really threw me off was that he kept he keeps relying on Michael. You know, there was one point where he even brings a victim to Michael to have Michael really handle him and all that. Um, and then when Michael kills this person, it's almost as if, you know, like, like he hulked out, you know, like like Hulk Hogan at the end of his rope. He gets that second win, and you see him like kind of like getting the energy back and like the soul getting back into him. And then now he's like not He's not weak anymore. Now he can go on and do what he wants to do. And now they have both. you have both of them kind of um, working as a duo, I guess, in a way, right? And the reason why he doesn't want to kill this kid is because, you know, maybe he sees him in him and all that. And they're kind of like kindred spirits or whatever the case is. But this really happens already in the third act. So you have the entire movie without Michael Myers at all in the whole movie. And then he finally comes out. And he's causing ruckus. And of course, who's the one person that he wants to target? And that's Lori, right? Especially with um the, the granddaughter who is kind of having a romantic relationship with this new fella, um, the vessel. And but uh, she realizes that he's committing these crazy, heinous acts, and he's crazy. And you know, Lori notices, oh, his eyes, eyes remind me of Michael's eyes. I see bad in him, and we watch out for this guy. Um, and then, you know, long story short, at the end of the movie, you have the guy who pretty much fails at what he wants to do. Michael had enough. He's like, you know what? F you, dude. I'm going to take over from here. And he finally confronts Lori. Laurie. Laurie, you know, fakes a suicide attempt. Because she knew, she knew something was up. So if she fakes a suicide attempt, then that would mean it will draw the evil to the house. And maybe the evil will try to figure out if what's happening is real or not. And get to the house. She was playing them all along. You know, she was playing possum. And then she has the kind of final confrontation with Michael in the kitchen. But it lasts what felt like five minutes. So it wasn't like this big grand slam event where. You know, major, major like conflict and all that, and and big battle and all that. It lasts five minutes. And then they have a like a what appears to be like a funeral procession around the neighborhood because there must be some like, like an Amber alert. There's like a Michael alert, right? Where Michael's in town. Oh, by the way, Michael's down now and he's dead, and we're gonna all kill him or we're gonna bury him or whatever. And they all carry this dude and parade this dude to the junkyard. And they pretty much put him into like this uh, chipper, this grinder that grinds metal parts and all that stuff like that. And they basically just demolish him. And that's the end of Michael. And then that's it. And then Laurie's OK. Lori had like this connection with one of the uh, older police guys that we've seen in the last movies you know, he mentioned something about, oh, it would be so nice to see the cherry blossoms in Japan. And let's just get away from here and da-da-da-da-da and all that stuff like that. So I, I, I don't know. It, it just it it wasn't something that worked for me. And I thought it was laughable at some parts, very dull in a, a lot of other parts. Um, But they took some swings that I thought could have landed better if they kept going with that premise, if they kind of kept going with certain premises, right? And I think the reason why this movie is so divisive is because it wasn't what a lot of people thought it was going to be. It wasn't that big major showdown of Michael Myers and Laurie. Uh, It wasn't that final, final, you know, conflict, that final uh, face-off, right? Um, And, you know, they, they, they kind of like, pussy-footed around it, you know, and they are like, oh, we're going to have this new character introduced and we're going to have him kind of, like, do all the things, and Michael's more like the supernatural kind of mentor and all that, and I don't know. It was very interesting the way that they they formulated it, and, and that's it, and we all know that they're going to probably do another movie later on down the road. I don't know how they're going to approach it now that Michael's all chipped up, and he's pretty much in pieces, so... If he's really supernatural, what's gonna happen? he's gonna get all the pieces and they're all gonna come together and meld into this more like morbid michael myers or or is the curse floating around looking for its next vessel right Someone else to take over the helm and and the moniker of michael myers or or will they finally just do something where now the town is like super super affected right the mob mentality. And seeing everything and then now something, you know, every time the holidays comes around, they're just going to be like, oh, we're going to turn this now into the purge and ah, purge evil, you know, because I know this guy is up to no good and that guy's up to no good. So we're just going to purge things. I don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass right now. But very curious to hear your thoughts uh, about what you thought about the whole Halloween trilogy, the new one, especially Halloween ends. Did you watch it? Were you disappointed? Um did were you are you like me were there some parts about it that maybe you liked and you enjoyed uh let me know in the comments if you're not a fan of horror movies let me know about that too because i'm definitely interested to hear your thoughts on it and all that but i know some people are very passionate when it comes to horror movies um blake what says you uh what are, what's your take on the whole thing all right and he's still dancing all right never mind Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far, but before we continue, I wanted to quickly talk about Bulletproof Coffee. Bulletproof Coffee is my favorite coffee of choice to start off my mornings with. Why? Because it's clean coffee. What does that mean? Well, one, there are no chemicals in it. Why? Because they go through this multi-step process of making sure that all of their beans are fully clean and free of any chemicals so that when you get the beans delivered to you, it is the pure beans, the pure coffee, the goodness that you've been wanting, the taste, the flavor, and the nutritional value as well without worrying about any added chemicals or anything else put into the mix there. It also doesn't have that weird acidic taste that some coffees give you. I don't know how about you But for me, some coffees kind of give me that weird sensation in my stomach, makes me a little burpy, and it kind of drags me down a little bit instead of really waking me up, uh, which is something that I need from my coffee every day. Bulletproof also offers a lot of keto-friendly snacks and supplements. Anything that you need to kind of add to your everyday nutritional needs, add to your diet, pretty much transforms the way you feel every day. So for a limited time, if you use this code on that you see on the screen right now, Low-Key Geek, all caps, one word, you can get 15% off your order. So what is it better than that, right? Check out the link in the description of this episode. Use this code, get yourself your discount, and make your mornings a little bit more bulletproof with Bulletproof Coffee. Now, back to the episode. Um, So moving on to the next movie I wanted to talk about this week that I was able to catch, and that's the new Hellraiser. Um, Hellraiser, by the way, um, Halloween Ends is on, I believe it was uh, Peacock. So you, it's free to stream there if, you, if you're if you on the, the platform. So definitely check it out there. Hellraiser is on Hulu. And it's kind of like a, a reimagining, I guess, uh, a resurgence or, or I don't know what you want to call it. But b- basically they're trying to reboot the franchise and bring it back after um, some time that it's been gone. Um, And Hellraiser is an interesting uh, franchise because it definitely came out during a time where I thought it gelled with a lot of people because it had a lot to do with addiction, right, and passion and desire and kind of placating on that. And um, the original movies were very sexual in nature. Um, so it had to, a lot to do with like sexual desire and how far do you go to get what you want and what will you give up for all that stuff and um, the, uh, Clive Barker who created the franchise and the story and directed the movies and everything um, he used a lot of that and it, you could tell in the the creatures especially the, the priest right the pinhead uh, he used a lot of like the BDSM the dominatrix type of uh, looks and personas and just uh, the character outfits and they basically look like these hell demons that are into BDSM right everything's in leather and there's a lot of metal and chains and piercings and all that stuff you know but it was a very gruesome franchise it was a very gruesome set of movies but it all dealt with a you know familiar theme of well, I'm addicted to sex. I'm addicted to drugs and all that. And I just can't get enough, right? So I would give up my left nut to do that. And then you come across this puzzle box and you, you know, your morbid curiosity and all that, and boom, open up the gates of hell. And now, because of your desires and your passions, you have to do certain deeds to help feed the demons so that they could grant you what you want if that is exactly what they're going to grant you, Right. So it was always very interesting that franchise. This one does still placate and do and does play around with the same themes. This time it's obviously a more modern day setting. So it's you know the main character is dealing with drug abuse, right? Um, And always trying to find the shortcut to live her life or to get some money or whatever the case is. Um, you know, it starts off, you learn that this main character is just coming off of a, a program. She's going to rehab and all that stuff. And But she's down on her luck, right? And she's trying to figure out ways to make some money, pay the rent, and all that. And of course, she's surrounded by people who care about her and worry about her, but she can never seem to do the right thing, right? She always falls back into the same traps of finding the easy way out or, you know, looking for... Um, ways to ignore the downsides in her life. So she, she likes sex, right? So she uses sex to kind of try to uh, not think about the stuff that she has to think about. She drinks or she takes drugs because it helps her forget the things that's happening. And uh, it's very interesting how they play on that. Um, so again, spoilers ahead for those of you who have not uh, seen it. So... You know, she has this boyfriend and who also is, quote unquote, out of a 12 step program or whatever the case is. He sees that, you know, she's she's down on her luck and she needs some money. So he has an idea of a score, right? He deals with some of these art dealers and rich people, and they're going to try to rob this uh, this uh, certain organization because, you know, they deal with like rich artifacts or art pieces or whatever the case is. And of course, she's down, right? Because she needs something. She needs a way out. She needs an easy fix to her problems and all that. And that's how they come across the Puzzle Box. Now, the interesting thing about the Puzzle Box this time is that I feel like this is the most we've actually had a chance to learn about the Puzzle Box. And the Puzzle Box kind of has this interesting organic feel to it. And it has stages now. So now throughout the movie, we're learning that The the more you solve it, the more stages it opens up, and it's and the stages uh, represent a certain desire that you may have, right? And you know it's again interesting premise on how they cover all of that stuff. Um, Pinhead does return, but in a different way. So it's a different type of Pinhead. It's a female this time, and all the demons, Cenobites, I believe they're called. gone are the leather chains still do exist but they look very more organic very more um morbid and uh, something like maybe you'll see out of like america horror story i mean i never watched it but i've seen pictures so expect like a lot of that a lot of gruesome um you know mutations and all that stuff like that um but they deal with a lot of you know, believes uh, you have a little bit of religion in this one. Um, you know, again, they represent hell and demons from hell. Right. Um, one of the guys who was addicted to the puzzle box referred to them as angels and whatever the case is. But th- basically, the movie goes on where she accidentally solves the first stage, doesn't get hit by the, the needle. So what happens, too, is that the puzzle box, each stage needs a sacrifice, right? So this thing will pop up that's supposed to grab your blood. Once your blood is in the box, you're the victim. You're the one that they're going to kind of uh, take on and quote-unquote rescue, right? But basically that means you're dead and you're out of here, right? So unfortunately she does this thing where uh, she solves it, the thing pops up, but it misses her, right? So now Pinhead's like, oh, you know, that was supposed to be your blood. So now you owe us. Now you need to bring us a sacrifice or do it yourself, right? Whatever it is. And, you know, unfortunately, it's her brother that gets pricked by, by accident. So he's the first to go missing. And now it's her kind of uh, mission throughout the movie to find a way to get her brother back. And as she learns more about this, she realizes that one of the stages is uh, reincarnation, right? So, of course, in her mind, She's like, oh, I want to bring my brother back. And it no matter what it takes, right? Um, and it goes through this whole m- mishmash of figuring things out. People are dying left and right. You know, each stage that she's opening up this box and all that. Um, the, the person that we were introduced to in the beginning of the movie, who was super obsessive with the box, created this interesting mansion that is kind of a puzzle in itself. Uh, later to find out that he did this on purpose because he made it through the final stage. And at the final stage, they grant you your one true desire that you have. Um, but it's a trick. And basically, for example, he wanted, uh, I believe, um, a feeling, right? Yeah, you know, like sensation because he, he was passionate about sex and all that. So he, he wanted like, like this super feeling and uh, whatever they call it. And um, they said they were going to grant it to him, but instead they, they turned him into this monstrosity where um, it's, a, it's like a timely device that will play with his nerves and cause him extreme, excruciating pain. Um, but for them, that's basically what they wanted to do. They got what they wanted. They got all the sacrifices and they grant him this wish that is beneficial more to them than, than to him. So we turn to find out that he's still around and he wants them to come back because he wants he wants to, uh, you know, renegotiate his wish um, while she's still trying to figure out how to get her brother back. So the mansion is built like a puzzle because he did that in order to trap the Cenobites, especially Pinhead, to force them to grant him a new wish. And basically they're like, well, there's no backseas, you idiot. But we can swap out your wish if you want something else um so it turns out that he you know his really true main desire was power so they grant him his wish of power she gets presented wish with wish because she was able to go through all the final stages and all, all that and she at first thinks oh she wants her brother back but seeing as to what's been happening with this guy and her experience dealing with them, she can't trust them. So she's like, you know what? I don't want anything. Keep your wishes. Keep all that stuff. I'm good. So they interpret that as one of the stages is called lament. Meaning, all right, well, that's what you want. You want the lament stage. And the lament stage is the original cube form of the box. And what the way they interpret it is that You get to live on the rest of your life, realizing everything that's happened around you and how you were a part of it and how you were a cause of it. And you're going to have to live with that and, you know, live your life, uh, you know, in remorse and just always constantly thinking about all those bad things. Um, And then that's it, which could be in the end, probably the worst thing to do realizing that your brother died because of this. You had friends that died because of this. You caused chaos all over the place. You are now severely traumatized. Um, so tough, right? But at the end, she still questions, did I make the right choice, right? Even though she helped save the boyfriend of her, her brother, um, was able to sacrifice this other the, the her man because it turns out he was working for this guy. And he was trying to get her to be one of the sacrifices or to help with it. You know, so F you, dude, you lied to me. So you were the final sacrifice and blah, 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 this and that. Um, So it was interesting. It was not the greatest, you know, but I appreciated what they were going for, uh, what they were going for here. And I think um, for some, this would be an interesting take on the franchise and a new moving forward. They introduce a lot of different things that were never introduced in the past. Again, the different stages of the box. You know, interesting to learn about how you have to go through all these stages and it's not just one simple solve at once, open the gates of hell, all, no pun intended, hell breaks loose, right? Um, I I like the new take on the Cenobites and Pinhead. Um, They're kind of reasonable. You could kind of talk to them and negotiate with them, right? Also, they introduced the concept that you don't have to necessarily sacrifice a human. She was able to sacrifice one of the Cenobites who then uh, gets taken away um, to move on to the next stage. Um, It was interesting what happened to the guy because the movie ends, basically, you get to see where this guy ends up with wanting and wishing power. And it's almost like this not biblical but it it just felt like it was very very um abstract ending where you see him basically transforming into what appears to be a Cenobite. so maybe now he's going to be one of the followers of pinhead and one of the the guardians or whatever you want to call them um as she uh looks for her next bi- uh victim or whoever um, solves the puzzle or wants to solve the puzzle, right? Um, one thing they did bring back from the original movies was uh, Leviathan, who is the one main entity that the all of the Cenobites and the, and Pinhead, who they kind of work for. Um, so they brought that back um, as part of the final stage and the one moment where you could like wish for that one passion or desire of yours. Um, but it was really interesting because at the end, like like I said, she. Uh, debates whether or not she did the she made the right choice and again as someone who has a form of addiction is she maybe curious to try it again you know to see if if she goes on a year or maybe a couple months you know with all this post-traumatic stress and all you know Doubting herself and questioning herself, you know, you know, lamenting again for all the things that are happened. Would she be tempted once again to maybe, you know what? Just like how it, it's so easy for me to go back to drugs, drink, get drunk, forget about my my you know shitty life and all that kind of stuff like that. Let me see if I could take another easy way out. And knowing the rules, now I know how to play them. Now I know how to play the game and all that. And it becomes this really massive game. So. It was really interesting again, isn't it gonna be a movie not for everyone? It was very gruesome at times and not my kind of horror movie um again, I'm more of like the the thriller the the more mind uh is like, like like psycho thriller type of horror movies, the hybrid horror as I like to call it these days, and we'll you know talk more about that, especially when we talk about barbarian but uh definitely not my cup of tea um but I mean again. Curious, once again, to know what all of you think about it. Um, If you had a chance to watch it, how was it for you? Was this something that you were expecting? Uh, If you're a fan of the original Hellraiser series, the franchise, um, did this live up to your love and passion for it? Do you like the direction and route they took on this one? Very curious to hear your thoughts. Um, Again, commenting and having discussions is one of the main things why we love doing this. We've had great conversations with a lot of you out there, um, depending on the topic or the movie we cover and all that. Maybe this is a a niche that maybe a lot of people uh, who are familiar with our show is not that into. But again, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the new Hellraiser. Hey, everybody. Are you a fan of collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops and all that stuff like that? Do me a favor and visit entertainmentearth.com and you won't be sorry. Entertainment Earth is the premier place online for the latest and greatest toys, the most exciting action figures, and the coolest gifts and collectibles pop culture has to offer. From television, movies, sports, celebrities, comics, internet memes, and every fandom in between, they drop new products daily and curate their selection so that you don't miss out. Whether you're looking for something stellar from a galaxy far, far away with Star Wars or from the streets of Gotham City with DC Comics, they've got surprises for everyone. Get access to exclusive releases and limited run pre-orders. You can even reserve hard to find items before they arrive. From Funko to Hasbro, all your favorite vendors are represented in their robust catalog of cool collectibles. Take advantage of their unparalleled industry expertise and make your collection as worthy as Marvel's Thor. They are pleased to offer risk-free shopping with their industry-leading mint condition guarantee and hassle-free 90-day returns. Find that grail you're seeking for yourself or someone you love. And because I know how special they are and how they're going to be great for a lot of you out there, I worked a special deal with them that if you check out the link featured in the description of this episode, you will get 10% off plus free shipping over orders of $40 or more. I mean... That is fantastic, don't you think? Now, the 10% discount is only good for uh, in-stock merchandise, so it doesn't work for any pre-orders. But if you take a look at their site, there's going to be a lot of stuff they have in stock that you're probably going to want to get. So again, visit that special link in the description of this episode to take advantage of this awesome 10% offer plus free shipping and buy yourself or a loved one something really cool. Entertainment Earth, so many toys, so much fun. All right. So, again, this is probably going to be a shorter uh, episode this week because, again, it's just me. And it's more like a recap of several horror movies that I watched recently. So I just want to quickly check in with with Blake there. Mr. Wolf, how are you doing? Still dancing. All right. You know, you're living your best life. So good for you. Um, I'm going to keep the spoilers uh, up there because I feel like Barbarian is that type of movie that uh, it's kind of hard to talk about without spoiling anything. Now, Barbarian is one of those movies that uh, in in recent months, um, you've had certain horror movies that are making um, big plays out there, So, meaning getting a lot of attention, a lot of people are talking about it, and a lot of people are actually going out and watching it and enjoying it. Smile was one of them. And I could understand why a lot of people really dug Smile. But Barbarian was one of those movies that when it came out, a lot of people kept talking about. Even people who are not that into horror movies and everything, Barbarian was always a topic that people would bring up. And it, you know, it's, it's still in the theaters, um, even uh, after uh, it debuted on HBO Max this past week. Um, so I, I wanted to see it in the theaters when it was out, but time constraints and scheduling, I just couldn't get to it. So I was really happy that it came out Um, This week, so I made it a a point to really check it out, especially knowing that I wanted to talk about horror movies for this episode. And I did a pretty good job at like steering clear of knowing what happens in the movie. Um, I I did find out that Justin Long's in the movie because they put out this very smart trailer that I reacted to on the channel. Um, They just called it the new Justin Long movie. Um, but it turns out to be just a, a trailer and marketing for Barbarian. And I didn't know he was in it. So I thought that was really interesting and fascinating. The more I wanted to see it because of him. So the premise of Barbarian, at least on the surface, is a premise that I think a lot of, of us can relate to. And it's about renting an Airbnb. Because uh, everything that happens, happens in this house. And it starts off with some uh, someone who's renting an Airbnb, right? and i've stayed in several airbnbs before i've dealt with airbnbs and um you know the fear is always well can i trust the people who are renting this place you know i don't know how the how it's going to be if the owner happens to still live in the house how would it be living with this person um you know it's it's one of those like unknown things it's not like going to a hotel because when you go to a hotel it's very different. You know, you you uh, you know that you're dealing with a company and a corporation and all that stuff, and you have so many other guests in one building. Here, you're solo, right? And plus, you never know about the neighborhood sometimes, especially if it's someplace you've never been before and all that. So the story starts off with um, Tess, played by Georgina Campbell, uh, who I thought is brilliant in this movie. Really, really great job in this movie. Um, You know, she comes to this house, in Airbnb, and um, she finds out that the key's not there. She can't get in. Um, and it turns out that someone else is, is renting it, right? So it turns out that it's a double booking, right, which is very interesting. And uh, the other person, the other tenant, is played by Bill Skarsgård. So you have Pennywise himself. And I thought this was very clever casting because immediately... I thought okay he's he is he must have something to do with what's going to happen in this movie because he always plays the creep he always plays like this like you know that, like I said he's pennywise right he also played I forgot the character's name in um that Stephen King um Hulu series um Castle Rock or something like that you know he was like like the the the, the main villain the main supernatural thing right um so And plus, they did a really good job with the script and his acting that he does certain things that immediately draw red flags, right? Like the way he kind of handles the situation sometimes, the way he kind of talks to her, the way he kind of approaches certain things, you know, the way they shot him. Um, There was one shot where she, you know, obviously she's debating what to do and he's trying to help out. Um and he's like, well, why don't you stay here? It's raining out, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff like that. Um, After some back and forth, she agrees. She takes a shower. As she's walking out, he is like creepily sitting on the table waiting for her to come out with a bottle of wine and two glasses, and he just has this look on his face, and he's just like, whoa, this dude is creepy. He's already plotting something, right? So it was really, really interesting how they did all that. I thought it was really brilliant. Another brilliant thing before I move on is that for some reason that part of the block where she lives is all dark there're no street lights or anything like that you could see street lights further up the block further down the block but you don't you can't tell what's around the neighborhood which is in itself also extremely creepy right so they get you know they sleep in the house and all that and that's when the the weirdness happens right where she wakes up her door's open she confronts him. He's having weird dreams, accuses him of opening a door. He said, I didn't open the door and all that. The, the interaction between these two took a very long time. right? And, and like I said, it makes you as an audience member, as a viewer, question, what are the intentions of this guy? You know, Is he really a part of things? Is she doing the right thing staying there? I mean, if it was me, I'd just be like, F this noise. I'm just going to sleep in the car. I'm going to go drive somewhere else and figure this shit out. Um, But they have this very interesting debate about how the women versus men and how they handle certain situations, especially toxic situations, right? She's talking about a bad thing about her boyfriend. And, you know, he brings up the whole thing about... Well, you know, I understand as a female, you have to be very cautious. And at the minute the red flags show up, you got to do your due diligence and all that kind of stuff like that. That's why I completely understand why you were hesitant to stay here, because if it was the opposite and if you were like, oh, you could say me as a guy, I'll just like, yeah, fine. I'm sure I'll do it. Right. But of course, she's like, but I'll never invite you in. You know, like there's no way that would have happened. So it's interesting how they created that dynamic and they put that out there because we do see a change with the way she handles the situation versus how Justin handles the situation, which we'll talk about in a minute, you know, but she, first of all, we also learned that she's there because she has an interview to be uh, an assistant for a document, uh, d- uh, documentarian and, and all that stuff like that. She goes to an interview. She comes back. Uh, Bill uh, is not there. He's out and about doing his own thing. Uh, you know, she's being chased by some random dude outside. And, okay, really creepy. But then she also finally realizes in the morning that the neighborhood looks like shit, right? And it turns out this is happening in Detroit, you know, which is really interesting. You know, Detroit is run down because of the economy and all this. So there are many ghost neighborhoods and all that. But this area really looks like shit. You know, it looks very creepy. And even when she has the interview with the person, She's like, there's no way you're staying in that neighborhood. That neighborhood is dangerous. You shouldn't be there. But be careful. She's like, I can take care of myself and all this kind of stuff like that, right? So when she gets back to the house, that's this is where all the madness happens, which is also very interesting. So she gets back. You know, she she needs toilet paper because there's no more toilet paper. So she finally makes it a way to the ba- her her way to the basement, and you know she finds the toilet paper there, but then. She's like looking around. The door closes on its own. And this door sucks. You know, the door, once it closes, you can't get out. Why is it auto locking? You know, like, I, I just don't understand it. And so she's trapped in there, right? So she's trying to find a way out. She's trying to open up the window. The window doesn't open. But she comes across this weird rope that's in the wall. Okay, if I saw that, I'm sorry, I'm out of here. I'm busting that window. I don't care how much I owe the Airbnb. I'm getting the fuck out of there, right? Or how hard is it really to bust through a, a door, right? And it's not like one of those like industrial doors either. It's like a common house door, right? So get something from the basement and freaking bust your way out of it. But what does she do? Besides the tug on the rope, you know, and then it opens up the secret panel which is completely dark. And I thought this was smart. And for those of you, especially who watched the movie, nope, I thought it was brilliant. She looks at it, and in any other horror movie, it would be one of those things where, oh, I'm curious. I'm just going to look inside. She just looks at it, and she's like, nope, hell no. I ain't doing it. And she's like sitting on the steps, like contemplating what to do, right? So she creates this interesting way to light up the hall using a mirror and using the light from the ceiling, to reflect light into the, the hallway, in into that mysterious hallway. So she walks in there, and she finds a room. The room has a bed, a camera, a bucket, and then there's like a bloody handprint. Again, seeing that, that's enough. I'm getting the fuck out of there no matter what. So she freaks out, right? And Bill finally comes home. And she's like, I'm stuck, blah, 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 this and that, you know. So she finally forced the windows out. I have the key here. Get yourself in there. We got to go. There's a mysterious room downstairs. It's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Let's just go. And he's like, well, I want to check it out. You know, not saying I don't believe you, but I need to see it for myself. Because if I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Oh, boy. Idiot, right? And then again, it makes you wonder. Is this guy involved with it, right? Is he, is he playing around? Is he like trying to lure her into this thing? Whatever. Mind you, she also doesn't realize there's, there's something extra in there, right? So he goes in there and she's like, you saw the room? Like, yep. I was like, all right, let's get out of here. Nothing. Quiet, right? So she's like pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth. The door almost closes on her again. So she finally realizes she needs to prop it open. Now, at this point, I don't know about you. I'm like, homeboy is gone. He ain't coming out. Bye. I'm out of here. I don't owe him nothing. I don't know him. I'm out. Look, I celebrated a birthday solo once at Universal uh, Studios in the Universal City Walk. I was hanging out. I was drinking and I met a dude, right? And we were just hanging out, having fun. It happened to be his birthday earlier. So it's like, oh, almost twin birthdays, right? And all that. Dude couldn't handle his liquor. He got pissed drunk and he started throwing chairs and all that. And I made a beeline out of there. I made it to my car. Security chased me down. I was like, yo, your friend is is going crazy up there. I was like, that's not my friend. I don't know. I just met him tonight. I'm out of here. I'm not responsible for him. Why couldn't she do that? Cause that's the way I would do it. I'm like, I'm out of here, right? But no, she's like, all right, I gotta find this guy. Turns out there's another passage. There's a more creepy passage that goes into like a cave. Again, I would not have gone in there, but she needs to get him out, so she goes in there. She uses the light on her phone, and this is the part that freaked me out because all of a sudden you just see him like crawling towards her. After you know she's following, he hearing his her his voice saying, "Help me, help me," and the way he was crawling, I'm like, oh, hell no. But he's like, we got to go. Something bit me. Something's down here. We got to go. And, she, and she's like, all right, well, then let's get the fuck out of here. And all of a sudden, this crazy creature comes in and just kills him. So it threw you for a loop because you thought all along, like, this guy was up to no good. But it wasn't him. And he ends up dying. And it fades to black. And then it cuts to like this cheery kind of scenery where you're by the beach and all that kind of stuff like that. And I was like, Ooh, what just happened? And that's when we get introduced to Justin Long's character, right? And I thought again, creating the two parts to this movie and giving it one, like that um kind of uh interesting dynamic and in how certain people are, and especially like the it's it's really like I guess underneath it all, it's like a battle between Um, Men and women How women are treated How men think And all that stuff Because Justin's character Turns out to be this creep Right Where Hollywood actor uh, Turns out that He is now being accused Of rape Sexual assault So he's losing his job He's losing his connections um, And he needs money Because he needs to liquidate Some stuff Because he has no way To pay bills And all that So it turns out that He is actually the owner Of this Airbnb he has to go to detroit try to find a way to liquidate it gets into the house and he finds all these random clothes suitcases and all that so he's like what's going on here do i have squatters and again it shows now a dynamic here because if the way that tess handled the situation she's very cautious questioning everything looking at it. he's just like well fuck it i'm just going to sleep here anyway you know this is a mess but whatever goes to the basement finds all this shit out sees the room you know because again he has a mentality that he's trying to sell this place and he's thinking well now that i i now that there's a basement now that there's a hidden passage another room and there's a cave now connected to it ooh i have more real estate i could make more money so he's like not even scared going down in the cave. So he got his tape measure and he's measuring shit out and all that. He sees these cages like, what the fuck is that? Oh, more room. Oh, I'm going to measure this shit out. Oh, I'm going to make buku bucks and all that kind of stuff like that. Right. Then he sees this room. This room that is, has this tape on a loop about breastfeeding. It, It looks like it stinks in there and all that. And then he get he confronts the creature. Who happens to be a female. And we come to learn that it looks like maybe this female has been living there for a minute. And because she's been trapped down there the whole time, she kind of, you know, turned into this kind of monsterish thing. You know, she doesn't know how to talk because probably no one's ever taught her how to talk or whatever the case is. She He gets, th- you know, he runs, runs, falls into a, like a little pit where she traps him. And boom, we see Tess is there. And what we come to learn is that it looks like Tess has been trapped there for maybe two weeks now. And she, the creature, shows up with a baby bottle. So we also come to learn that now she's treating the her captives as babies because she has that maternal instinct that she wants to take care of them. And it's so creepy and bizarre. And, of course, Justin's not having it, right? He's like, fuck this shit. I ain't drinking from that nasty bottle. So she grabs, drags him out and basically wants to breastfeed him because maybe she thinks that's the way he's going to learn. So Tess gets out of there, runs, you know. She makes it out. And she she makes it to the nearest gas station. And mind you, the same creepy dude that was chasing her before actually saved her because he knows about this crazy lady and, all that. and it's like, you should never go in that house. And she's like, but then again, again, Tess being a very nice person, caring person. Well, there's someone else in there. We got to save him. He's like, fuck that, dude. Save yourself. You shouldn't go back in that house. So she goes to the gas station and she tries to call the cops. Cops aren't helpful. Again, don't believe her and all that. Again, a dynamic between women telling stories and men probably not believing what they first hear, right? But she's on a mission. She needs to save this guy. And she was told that at night, she likes to roam. And she's pissed, knowing that you escaped. So once it's night out, she's going to come out and look for you. So almost as if she was prepared, she's in her car. And creature busts out, and she rams into the creature, right? Interesting shit. Then, she tries to go save Justin, who because of Tessa's escape, was able to escape himself, but the opposite way. So he keeps going further, further into the cave. He sees some power lines, and he's like, oh, look, there's another door. The creature doesn't want to approach the door as if she's scared of something. He's like, what's up with this? Goes in the door. See this old dude in this weird little cubby of a hole where it's like trash everywhere, food everywhere, a TV, and all that stuff like that. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, man, you know, we need to get out of here, there's a creature, and I'm gonna save you. Turns out that this guy is no good, why? Boom, we get a flashback, and the flashback goes back to like early in the 80s where everything was ho-hum, the neighborhood was flourishing, everything's beautiful, and we follow this one guy. One guy goes to the supermarket, He's buying stuff. It, it's not it looks like he's expecting a baby. And they're doing like, you know, home birthing and all that. So he needs a lot of supplies. But then we get to find out that he is a stalker. He stalks a lady, pretends to be like an electrician or whatever, and goes into her house, unlocks her bathroom door because one will assume that he's planning to maybe break in there at night and who knows, capture her, rape her, whatever the case is. He gets back to his house It Sounds like a lot of people In the neighborhood are leaving They're trying to sell Because they're saying That the neighborhood's going to shit And all that So we need to get out And he's like I ain't leaving No I'm staying He gets back into the house And then we hear screams Coming from the basement So we already know This guy's up to no good So we come to learn That this is the same dude That's now old decrepit Living in the little In the little cubby hole there and the more we know about him, because Justin finds all of these VHS tapes, pops one in. We don't see what's happening, but we could only assume that he's probably raping, torturing, whatever with her his captives. And it was really disturbing the way he labeled each tape because it was like redhead from gas station, you know, whatever, Latina girl, whatever the case is. So Justin's like, dude, you're fucked up, man. You, you know, why the you know, what the fuck? Guy thinks he's at the end of his rope. He's found out. He can't do nothing. Pulls a gun, shoots himself, right? So Justin now has a gun. So he's like, all right, I'm going to confront this demon witch, whatever the case is. So he goes out. He tries to escape and everything. You know, fast forward. Oh, and yeah, as he's moving out, Tess is at the same time trying to find him because you got, she was able to crash into the house pin the witch down and all that stuff. And he accidentally shoots her because it's dark. Like, oops. So now they both try to escape. They found out the the witch is gone. And she's like, well, let's go hang out with this dude. The, the homeless guy that saved me earlier. He told me he lives by the, the water tower. Now this part I thought was hilarious. It was really, really funny because it was one of those typical Sam Jackson moments from that shark movie or whatever. Where he monologues, right? Because he's like, they he takes them inside and, he, you know, they're asking about this witch. He's trying to tell them stories about it. And she's like, Are you sure she'll, she'll never come down here? She? And he's like, I've been living here forever. And she's never once been able to break in, boom. Like the Kool-Aid man, what's up? Here she comes, rips him to pieces, right? Which is which is scary. Like, really, really horrifying. So he, they run out. They decide to climb the, the, the water tower. She's in pain, whatever the case is. And again, we get to see Justin's true colors here. Freaking jerk off. She, He knows Tess is hurt. She can't really move a lot. He needs to get the hell out, right? The witch is already making her way up the water tower. It's like, sorry, I need a sacrifice. So you got to go. Tosses Tess over. What the fuck was up with that? But in a very cinematic move, the the crazy witch lady sees her go over and she jumps in order to save her. Save my baby. You see, the way that they landed was that Tess was on top of her because she was saved, right? But you don't know if she's alive. So Justin makes his way down. You know, still checks. And Tess is alive. It's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I didn't know what to do. You know, uh, uh, I had to think for myself. I didn't really want to do it. But do-do-do-do-do. Freaking wuss, right? But turns out the witch is still alive. Finally takes Justin out by poking his eyeballs out and all that. Um, But Tess is hurt. So... The witch is trying to get her back to the house. Tess is like, I can't, sorry, I can't move. But at the same time, this witch is so caring and so careful and all that stuff. So Tess finds the gun and shoots her. But, but the witch already knew she was on her way out. All she really cared about was the care of Tess. right? And that's how the movie ends. And Tess, I love how, what they do with the credits, the ending credits, because you get to see Tess getting up walking, escaping, so you know that she's okay, but experienced this crazy trauma and all that, these really nasty events and all that. So this movie was so fascinating, and I can understand now why people really love this movie, because it threw a lot of like the typical uh, tropes and stereotypes that you get for these type of movies, and it kind of fooled you. And it threw it all out the window, right? And a lot of things that you were expecting to happen didn't happen, right? Like, especially with Bill Skarsgård's character. Like, you thought he had a lot to do with things. Nope, it wasn't, right? Um, You get to see a horrific side of reality, you know, and kind of what happens when you have this maniac who is torturing women. And the story was he was impregnating her. They gave birth, and then he would have sex with the offspring. So it's like incest and all this crazy nonsense, right? And that's probably one of the reasons why this witch lady turned out the way she was because it's like incest, instant, incest. Plus she's living in like a freaking cave, right? So she has no interaction with the outside. And this guy is just, you know, filling his desires or busting his nut or whatever the case is because that's what he's into. Um, but I think, like I said, the overall message is like how the dynamic is between men and women and how they handle certain situations, how they approach certain situations. Um, and when it comes to survival instincts, what, how each would react and all that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's called barbarian because Tess became the overall victor out of all this, you know, because of the way she handles things. Now, did she handle everything correctly? No. There are many moments where she could have just got out of Dodge and just called it a day, right? But again, she had empathy, compassion. You know, she always wanted to do the right thing. While homeboy, Justin Long, was only thinking for himself, right? Um, And then, you know, and it's, it's interesting too because he's like, I need to do what's right. I need to do what's right. I need to be a better man because I made a mistake. You know, like I did rape this girl, which we find out because... When he's finally back in town, he catches up with a friend of his, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, in the beginning she didn't want to, but I'm very convincing, and I don't let up, right? So, but she was totally into it after a while, you know. But come on, really? Um, but he he has this like moment of reality, and he's like, "I need to change. I need to right the wrongs and all that." But what happens when survival's on the line? He goes right back to it, right? Um, So really messed up. Really, really messed up. So, But yeah, it's, again, very, very fascinating. The way that it was directed, the way it was written, the dialogue, all that stuff I thought was so well done. And a very, very interesting movie. Now, again, there is some parts where it's very disturbing and gruesome. So again, it's not not for everyone. Um, But this was something that I actually really appreciated. And again, out of the three that I saw... This was definitely the one that I, it, it sucks it sticks with me the most because of how uh, how it was executed and how brilliant it was as far as uh, storytelling and movie making and all that filmmaking, you know. So again, very curious what your thoughts are if you had a chance to watch Barbarian. Let me know in the comments. I'm very curious as to what you think about it. Uh, what did you like about the movie? What didn't you like about the movie? You know, how did you like how it ended? um the messaging there like do you agree with what i said maybe you have a different take on it i want to know i want to hear it from you and your thoughts about everything um but yeah i mean this movie has done really well um and only had a budget of four million you know and i guess it's it's one of those things where just smartly done and I, i think now that it's out on streaming uh on hbo more people are going to have a chance to see it. So I think out of all of these movies, if you are looking for something nice for Halloween for a spooky season for your weekend, um, a lot of people, you kind of use this time to kind of catch up on some Halloween movies and some horror movies or whatever the case is. And I highly recommend this. Um, this is something that is definitely up there as far as the more recent things that I've seen that I really appreciated. Um, very, very well done. And I really, really liked it a lot. So, so, Blake, um, let's check in with uh the wolf one last time. So, Barbarian, um, have I convinced you? Maybe are you gonna watch it or not? Um, where is he, Blake? Oh, no, there he is. He's still dancing. All right, you know what? Enjoy yourself. Have fun. Uh, we'll definitely talk again next time. But that is pretty much the end of this week's episode. Um, Apologies that it uploaded pretty late in the week. I was hoping to have this up by Monday, but the scheduling and conflicts, and and we were actually trying to find a time for Blake and I to get together. He's been busy um, with his schedule and all that stuff like that. So we hope to come back next week. If not, expect probably another solo episode where I'll talk about some movie or maybe I'll revisit something. Um, But stay tuned to the channel for that. Thank you again for watching. For those of you who are regulars, always appreciate the support and all the love. Again, if you're brand new to this and you happen to come across me talking about all these horror movies, let me know in the comments. What are some of your horror recommendations for this weekend, um, this holiday uh, season? Um, Maybe something new, maybe something old. You know, I am, again, coming to the horror uh, genre very Late in the game, after a long hiatus of not wanting to watch horror movies, um, I've talked about how much I really appreciate the A24 stuff. So definitely curious to hear what recommendations or what you thought your thoughts are on Sue, as to what some of your favorites are, especially for the more recent movies out there. Um, but subscribe, like, if you haven't done so already, hit that notification bell uh, to get notified for future uploads. Audio version can be found on the low key geek channel there on your podcast platform of choice um you could follow me on twitter instagram all that kind of stuff you could see the name there on your screen in front of you thank you so much for watching again i appreciate it thank you for tuning in until next time stay cool stay classy stay safe catch on the flip side happy halloween everybody okay peace out y'all